Welcome to You, Me, and the SEC, the podcast about the intersection of SEC football and culture. And for the second time, don't call it a comeback, but we're back at it again. For real? I don't know. We need to stop doing this to ourselves of of setting up the comeback and then disappointing We drop in when ourselves. it's meant to be. Yes, it's like when you true. get us, you are happy. And when you don't, you just assume that we're plotting a, another great comeback. Right. And which, that's just the way it is. Well, I think, that, yeah. And, you know, all all good podcasts, you know, that's what they say you should do is just, you know, keep them on their toes. Don't. Give the people what they want, which is mass disappointment when we promise <laughs> right. great and big things. You want to try that one again? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Uh, so the last time we were here, we talked about all the excuses of why we dropped off the first time. And we promised and followed through, I might add, with an episode about Reveille. That's right. Nice little deep dive, as they say in the podcasting world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about Reveille and all the things. And then we were like, okay, next week we're going to talk about Smokey. And that never happened. That never so happened. So we have to inform you that Smokey, to our knowledge, is still alive and kicking and barking and being Smokey-ish. But, you know, you're not going to get that here. You're going to have to go off on your lonesome to... Uh, to look into Smokey a little bit more. Maybe. We could come back to it one day. I don't think so. I think that's a big red flag when we promise Smokey is coming. Oh, okay. It should be code for like, we'll see you in three months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there but, you go. But here we are. I think it was, I looked on the dates. It was like March, I think, is when we were last year. But we're back, and football season is almost here, which means that we are here. So yeah. hold on. I When did we drop off? Was it before or after March Madness? I, your conspiracy theory here is not going to hold any weight, and it's I am not—I'm not, not looking to investigate exactly what you're trying to do. I'm not going to play your games because we dropped off the first time. There's no games here after Kentucky lost. There's no games here. And then did we drop? I, off I will after turn Kentucky? your voice into a baby right now. And it's going to happen. Makes me more mad what? than when you—you you have. You. Brittany has a lot of problems with fun. Like it's something she's just allergic no, to. No, I don't. I have a problems when you let little tiny bits of power go to your head, like a tiny switchboard or whatever it's called. It's not a tiny switchboard. Well, it's kind of small. It's a tiny yeah, switchboard. It's, it's kind of small. But it is a switchboard nonetheless <laughs> that only serious podcasters have, and we are one of those. That's uh, right. And you know it's a party when Piper comes into the room. She just always wonders who we're talking to. Yeah, she's just clearing it up here just to make sure there's no, uh, there's no, what is she? Okay, she's like running to all my wires and now her tail is flapping. So that is what you heard there. Uh, so here we are. F- football season is, what, three months away now? I think so. Uh, which means we have a lot to do because we have a season coming up. We got to recap last season. We got to preview the next season. We got to do media days. We're going to do lots of fun. Uh, but I think it's worth a little bit of time that we kind of catch up in terms of what is happening in the SEC land because there are two dominant stories that are going on. One is for nerds like me, is just an exercise in exciting possibilities, and that is the changing SEC scheduling format. How excited are you about the debate between an eight- and nine-game schedule? I mean, it's it does not, like, excite my bones you're not as excited as you should be no this is math at its finest it's math at its purest form i just need someone to tell me what they decide and i'll either like it or i'll be mad about it well i'm gonna make you choose we're gonna talk about it and you're going to enjoy it because it's it's stuff that's important to know because 
you know, so much of what we do is the culture and the and so much of the culture of the SEC is your rivals, right? So the that question is, is, are you going to be playing? Is Georgia going to be playing Auburn every year? That's true. That is the question. Is that you trying to get me to buy in with that? No, like that that's your... just me giving a hook. Yes. It's called it, giving a teaser for a later discussion. Mm, okay, sounds good. Did, um, you, did you ever let Piper out? She has been outside today, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah, don't listen to her lies. I see it in her eyes. I know. She came to me and said. She's like, Ben was mean. He did yeah. not let me out. Piper, it's a lie. Uh, the But we'll start with what everybody's talking about. And I think one of the things that I think we would enjoy most here on You, Me, and the SEC is coaching spats. Mm, yes. And we have maybe the ultimate, because this isn't your, like, Clark Lee versus Sam Pittman. Which is also a classic, right? Uh, right, it is a very much a classic. Right. Like, Vandy's got a lot of skin in the game always. but And sweet Sam Pittman. Uh, sweet Sam. That's a thing now. We have to go with that. Okay. Sweet Sam just got a sweet new contract, too. I heard got that. Got that Mark Stoops deal. Yeah. He's like, win seven games, get an extra year on the contract. So it's good stuff. But anyway, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Uh, so Nick Saban, have you heard of him? Um, yes, I have. That wasn't a serious question. I didn't mean it to be insulting of your intelligence or, or okay. character. Okay. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, one of the, I believe, five current Coaches in college football who's won a national title. It might be six now with Kirby. Yeah, actually, I think, it I think is, yeah. they add to the number. But um, of course, the head coach at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, a little bit of background about this spat, which has developed because you may not have heard, listening audience. Um, Jimbo Fisher back in the day was an assistant for Nick Saban when Saban was at LSU. Right. In the early 2000s, Saban, of course, won the national title. I believe 2003. I think. Um, and Jimbo Fisher was on that staff, but Jimbo spent a lot of the rest of his time in the 2000s at Florida State with Bobby Bowden. Right. And then um, Fisher wins a national title at Florida State, moves to Texas A&M because they have all the money, which may be relevant in this discussion here in a minute. And um, Jimbo became the first uh, Saban assistant coach, if you will, to defeat Saban. Uh, winning last year, and of course Kirby Smart became the second one in the national title game. Uh, but that showed that this, if there is such a thing as a rivalry between Texas A&M and Alabama, a coaching rivalry, that certainly upped it a bit. Texas A&M secured the number one recruiting class, uh, arguably the best recruiting class ever in many recruiting rankings this year. Um and then a little bit a while ago, as we kind of are intervening into this NIL uh, name, image, and likeness discussion, where uh, players can profit off of their uh, off of their football skills, uh, which has always been a no-no in amateur college football, uh, a website, an Oklahoma message board, uh, there was a poster by the name of Sliced Bread, okay, who posted on uh, the uh, message thread. The Texas A&M spent thirty million dollars, good night, securing this recruiting class and doing so by, in essence, promising, if you come here, you will receive X amount of money in NIL deals, mm-hmm. which by the current guidelines set forth by the NCAA is not illegal. It's something that, so I mean, it is legal. I mean, it's not illegal. Okay. So, like, there's no rule that says you can do this, mm-hmm. but there's no rule that says you can't. So it's like. It, it's there, and it's these organizations called collectives 
which are basically fundraising from donors. Is this like a, a pack? Like if we're our lobbyists? Is a pack, a super pack, yeah, super the pack. political discussion. It's kind of, yeah, kind of the same because as far as super PACs go, candidates cannot coordinate. This is an interesting connection that you made. I haven't thought about it this way. You're welcome. But uh, candidates cannot or political office holders can't coordinate with the super PAC. Right. As potentially the head coaches can't coordinate with the collective, but, you know, wink, wink. Right. People find ways to talk. Uh, so anyway, these collectives serve as a way to tell the players, hey, we've got a big pot of money. We're going to spend it this way. Texas A&M is a very wealthy um, or has a very wealthy donor base, right? So you got that oil money that these donors are able to draw from. I mean, have you seen the gas prices? Right. So right. they can draw from this money and then potentially <laughs> lure these recruits that could come to College Station and play for a top college football program, a likely to be one day Hall of Fame coach and play ball, mm -hmm. right? And be paid at the same time. So with that in mind, they do secure the number one recruiting class. It just so happens to happen at the same time where NIL has come in. These collectives are more or less allowed to profit and to operate. And so Nick Saban in a position where losing the national title to Georgia losing the number one recruiting rankings to Texas A&M, went before a bunch of boosters in an event in Birmingham uh, with Nate Oates, who's the Alabama basketball coach, sitting beside him. And he addressed the crowd, talking to them about, here's what my thoughts are about this NIL collective business. And Saban was very frank with a lot of his discussions. Mm -hmm. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to play that clip and kind of let you all hear it as well. And then we'll come back and kind of talk about what we thought about what his ideas were. Uh, and then after that, we'll, we'll hear about Jimbo's response because the spat is going to originate from this discussion. So anything, things you're looking for that you know about or maybe listening for here um, with Nick Saban? You know, like I always, it, with Nick Saban, I always like wonder how much of what he's saying is calculated. You know, like how much of what he's saying is like, I'm just going to throw this out there at this time. And, it, you know, it, just be thinking that. Like, I wonder how much of this was calculated or how much of this was a mistake. Okay. And I think it's an interesting point is, at what point is this a grand plan or at what point is this his frustration? Right. Uh, so we'll take a listen to Nick Saban in front of some Alabama boosters um, in Birmingham just a few weeks ago. Well, you know, name, image, and likeness to me is a great concept for players. Uh, players have always been allowed to work. Uh, this is just a different opportunity for them to make money by working and using their own name, image, and likeness, whether it's signing autographs, whether it's doing commercials or ads for some company or whatever. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I told our players when this whole thing started to get agents, get representation, um, and so you create opportunities for yourself. And our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. And I have no problem with that. And nobody had a problem on our team with that because the guys that got the money earned it. Now, there were only 25 guys on our team that had the opportunity to earn money. 
the issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves I right, went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? They created what's called a collective. All right, a collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. Uh, and the coach actually pr knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? Well, my philosophy is my job is to create a platform for our players to create value for themselves and their future by becoming better people, uh, by graduating from school and developing a career off the field, and by seeing if they can develop a career on the field and play at the next level in the NFL. Our players have made $1.7 billion in the NFL since 2010. All right, so wow. we've created a lot of opportunity. We also have one of the highest graduation rates, you know, in college athletics. We have the most guys that graduate inside of four years. So we've done a good job of that. But now in recruiting, we have players in our state that grew up wanting to come to Alabama, that they won't commit to us unless we say we're going to give them what somebody else is going to give them. And my theory on that is everything that we've done in college athletics has always been equal. Your scholarship is equal. They get equal Austin, Austin money. They get equal uh, cost of attendance. Uh, they get equal academic support. They get equal medical attention, everything has always been equal. So I told our players, I said, we're going to have a collective, but everybody's going to get the same amount of opportunity from that collective. Now, you can go earn however much you want. And I tell the recruits the same thing, because our job is not to buy you to come to school here. And I don't know how you manage your locker room, and I don't know if this is a sustainable model, uh, because one of you folks are going to give some player that comes to our school a bunch of money to come to our school. And then you're going to come to the game in full strut, I thinking I'm going to tell everybody I got that guy to come to Alabama. And then he's not going to play, and he's going to transfer, and you're going to say, I'm never going to do this again. All right, so I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know how you sustain a model like that. Now, I know that we're going to lose recruits because somebody else is going to be willing to pay them more. Um, but name, image, and likeness is something that's here. And I think the more supporters that we have for the University of Alabama in all sports right, that are willing to sponsor players, whatever you want to call it, use them in your business to help your business, that's going to help our programs. Um, the thing that I fear is at some point in time, they're just going to say we're going to have to pay players. If we start paying players, we're going to have to eliminate sports. Right, and this is, this is all bad for college sports. I mean, we probably have, what, 450 people on scholarship at Alabama, whether they're women's tennis players, women's softball players, golfers, you know, baseball players, non-revenue sports that, should, that have for years and years and years been able to create a better life for themselves because they've been able to get scholarships and participate in college athletics. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money. 
and you make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player, which is what we've always tried to major in, and we're going to continue to do that. And hopefully there's enough people out there that will want to do it, but I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are all right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right, if you didn't give them, the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. All right. So Nick Saban speaks. What do you think? You know, I, it was a little, not rambly, but it was a little... You know, going back to my initial question of, like, how much of that was really just his frustration and how much of it was, like, calculated, this is a message that I want to get across, it feels like he was really frustrated. Right. You know? Right. So, from my perspective, and you tell me if, if this is wrong, that, like, the NIL thing, the whole point of it is supposed to be for the players. You know, that you have these kids that these universities are making millions of dollars on NCAA making millions of dollars on these kids and they're not getting any anything you know they they can could they sell their merchandise no I mean remember AJ Green Todd no, I know I know that the kids couldn't right but like could the university could sell AJ Green jerseys they could not sell it with their name on it but oh, okay. if Georgia is selling their jersey with the number three right. or 18 right. like you whatever AJ Green number his number was uh you know who that was right right if yeah. Kentucky's selling a number seven it's Will Levis mm -hmm. so no but yeah kind of wink wink right right so the whole point was how can these kids make money off of their name, image, and likeness, which is them, which is like how can right. they make money off of their self and their brand right. while they're in school? Right. Um, it sounds like what Saban's saying is that these um, schools and coaches and like boosters are taking this and taking it away from the students and, and using it for their own benefit. 
and say, and using it for marketing and themselves instead of like keeping it for the kids, they're using it for themselves. Well, I mean, the pl- players are still getting paid. Right, it's but just, they're just like. Well, they're using it as a recruiting advantage. Right. So right. what, and, and there's no like schools are basically, because I think all schools to some degree are doing this. Is basically saying if you're a player, you go to that school and you look at their facilities and you look at, you know, who they developed in the NFL and you look at their coaches. And now you're like, okay, what, how much can I get paid? Right. So what, and the school basically says, all right, here are, they can kind of look at it one of two ways. They can say, here's a deal that we can give you, mm-hmm. right? You're going to come in, you're going to make X amount of money from these like sponsors or whatnot. Or, so they can be very concrete, mm-hmm. um, or they can say, hey, look what this player has done. Look what this player has done. Wink, wink. You can do that, too. And it's the idea of, like, what they're, like, if you're getting down the, the nitty-gritty of it is where the player is getting paid, mm-hmm. right? And I think that Nick Saban has a problem with the fact that these players are getting paid on the front end instead of profiting on their accomplishments that have happened at the collegiate level. But and what, schools, like you said, are now using it for their advantage in a recruiting context and saying, you can get paid here. You can get paid more here than that other school. Mm-hmm. So come here. Mm-hmm. And again, when this system was set up without any real guardrails, it was the natural and logical progression. Right. And then these kids are taking it and saying, well, A&M's offering me this much, and can you offer me this much? Right. And that feels like, I'm I'm sure Saban does not like to be in that position. To be well, like, no, uh, especially when he is, I mean, the fact that we, Alabama is not the, there's not a whole, I mean, relatively speaking, you have wealthy people, mm-hmm. right? And you have wealthy boosters for sure. But how wealthy are they and how many of them are there compared with, say, Florida, Deion Sanders. Texas, <laughs> Dion, primetime, mm-hmm. California, like these other areas that have a much more, especially Texas, mm-hmm. right, in this context, especially in places where they have maybe deeper pockets. Right. And I think all of Saban's arguments are sound. Like, if you remove the context of, like, where he is at in this situation, mm-hmm. like, his argument of saying, like, and this is where a lot of people argue that this NIL thing will kind of just sort itself out because of the um, because of the, uh, the market correction, if you will. Mm-hmm. And basically, people will say, okay, I'm paying this player this much, and then they see, oh, I don't really get much return on that because maybe this player doesn't end up being any good. Or even playing. Or even play for my team. Right. So what people are are kind of assuming, I think, that is Zcom 101, I think it's pretty fair to say, is that the market will correct itself. Right. Tennessee has paid, a collective for Tennessee, has rumored to pay a quarterback that I think is a senior in high school this year, $8 million to come play for Tennessee. That's crazy. Um, so, like... That's ridiculous. Like, no one's touched that. And so it's. I think the market will kind of sort itself out when it comes to that. But Saban's argument is that, listen, if you're a booster at Alabama and you pay for this player and then they come and they don't play like you said, are you likely to pay for that again? I don't know. Right. Right, because, I mean, at the end of the day, these boosters are the ones that are having the finances. And then you also have, like, 
maybe you have a school with boosters. You have maybe a super booster, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you've got someone, what's to stop? Like, for example, Tim Cook, the chairman of Apple. You know where he went to school? Auburn. He went to Auburn. So what's to stop him from just dumping all this money into Auburn's football program? Right. It, he's really, I mean, if we're talking SEC world, he's really the only one that is like a super, that would be like super booster, as you called them. Super booster. Because <laughs> I heard, you know, like, you, you know, you think of Oregon um, and Nike, but, yeah. you know, like, they're not going to do that because then, like, if Oregon gets all the good Nike stuff, then everyone else is going to be like, well, we're just going to go Adidas, you know? Possibly, yeah. You know, yeah. so, like, they don't, they have, it's a different skin in the game. Right. But, so, but, so really, his argument was, was, a good talking points is when he started dropping names. Well, and that's the thing is that in this section, in this clip that that we have, this he, he goes about five minutes and he's just discussing real things and you know it and, and real issues. And that another point he makes is the question of equality and like where everyone had the set amount of rules. Nick Saban was just better at it than anybody else, right? right. In that. He had built this program over the last decade that is using the same rules, you know, that we know of Mm -hmm. to recruit players to Alabama. Um, And every school has access to the same amount of resources. Right. His point, and it is totally fair, is that now you have a situation where you're going to have colleges that have different amounts of resources. And it is very much turning into a sport like Major League Baseball, the Premier League, in soccer leagues in Europe where you're going to have t- teams that have an unfair advantage if you're looking to preserve fair competition. Right. And right. you could argue that that was the case already because why does Alabama and Georgia and Texas A&M and these schools, why are they so much better at football than, say, teams uh, like you know Kentucky and Arkansas? Because the recruiting base is just better. Mm-hmm. So it is not fair inherently. But this would be another thing to maybe add to that you could argue could increase the parity inside of college football, at Mm -hmm. least to get us some more names in competition. But again, if you're Nick Saban, you're not going to like that very much because the way it has been, he's built such a winner. Right, right. So Jimbo heard this. Oh, yeah. Or got woken up to this. I don't know. In the middle of the night. Right. I wonder how he heard about this. So he wakes up in his college station (laughs) morning, and he hears about uh, what is happening. And Jimbo will tell you, he does not do social media. He does not, like, listen. Yeah, whatever. Right. (laughs) But he is going to come out swinging. Calls a press conference for the next day. Uh, and we're going to take a listen uh, to what Jimbo has to say. And I don't know. It's like nine minutes long, this clip. I don't know if we're going to listen to all of it. But uh, we're going to listen to a good bit of it because he does not waste time. Whereas Saban, with the point about Texas A&M using NIL, quote, buying players, which I think that is the phrase which has all sorts of connotations that right. riles Jimbo up. Right. So let's take a listen to what Jimbo has to say in response. Coach, uh like to respond to some comments made last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And if they broke state laws, that they're, that they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. 
It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us. Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. I know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it for our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you, the people who insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? Uh, to the left, Olin. Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when you to. you got all the advantages, uh -huh. it's easy. And I just wanted to uh, just put it point blank. So no players in your, you're saying that no players in There's the There's no, no bylaws of anything we ever promised, done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas. And it's insulting to say a 17-year-old in his family broke laws. No. Down front, Brent. Y'all have both spoken so highly of each other in the past in terms of what y'all have done in your previous relationship. So how disappointing was it to hear that from him, you know, in terms of, you know, a mentor type to you it's as disappointing. well? No, I wasn't. No, listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him with opportunities. Coach back behind don't the lights. associated with it. Coaches, uh, is this an area where you would want to see the league office and the SEC, the commissioner's office, get involved if, if coaches are putting out specific accusations yeah, of that's violence? Their job. That's, that's fine. I'm sure they will. They'll reprimand or say something, and we'll move on, I guess. 
But this is about our players and Texas A&M and the people that work here and the coaches here. That's what this is about. Make a mistake. We're not going anywhere. We have still a lot of work to do. We're not where we want to be. This is going to be a great program, and we're building it into a great program. Any other questions down the front? Travis? I know everyone saw the initial post from Slice Bread or whatever, but where do you feel like this is, is coming from? You got me. Slice Bread. <laughs> well, but, I mean, when coaches say that, come on, man. Especially, never mind. The operation and tactics of certain people who say them, and anybody who coached with him know them, and anybody out there in this business knows it. Amazing. Just go where he's been. And I know that you don't necessarily, you can't have the, the conversation with people who do NILs or have that contact, but would you like to see the, the, the collective that, that, that does support I would like A&M? to find unified rules across this country to put things in place. That's what I want. And what, I don't know what those are. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I don't know what the antitrust laws, all those bylaws, so the government needs to step in because this is these things here. And what's funny, in that talk, right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? It's amazing, wasn't it? To the left, Rob. Well, when you walk on water, I guess it don't matter. Howdy, Coach. Um, so you've told us how you don't look at social media. How, tell, tell us about when you found out about – I'm right here, Coach. Mark Tell Robinson me. called me. Okay. And, and how important was it for you to, to have this press conference so that you could defend your players and your I'm not program? defending anybody. I'm just giving you the truth because I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide, and our program has nothing to hide. It would be interesting if everybody could say that. Down front, Brent. Is there some thought on – collectives, you know, schools, programs, collectives, universities, collectives. Are you aware of what they do, how they go about it, and no, so I'm not. forth? Okay. I'm so not you have no in knowledge of any of They have collectives. Of- I know there's a collective here. I don't know who's got what, when's got what. I had no idea last year. That is not what we do or what we're about. I was going to say, that's by design. You saying, hey, I'm staying out of this. Yeah, I mean, it's, how am I going to, I mean, I have no sponsorships in those things. And that's the truth. Well, you, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't call me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. That's one thing you don't. Now you're fooling with their name. That don't, from a Texas A&M's name, you're saying with those kids' name and our name. I'll put it with any of them. Front left, Olin. Uh, Coach SEC. I, don't, I ain't into that. I wasn't raised that way. Yeah, Jimbo, SEC spring meetings are coming up, the media days in a couple of months, and then October 8th. What do you think? That's uh, Is it, it going to be awkward? And awkward about what? When you have to face it or have to? I don't mind to... confrontation. <clears throat> Live with it my whole life. Kind of like it myself. Anything else? Uh, Rob and then Travis? Backing away from it wasn't the way I was raised. Coach, what do, you, what do you say to your players about something like this? Keep doing the right things and believe in yourself. And, I, and I'm sorry that people say those things about you. But I will defend you because I know nothing was wrong. That's what it's about. You're talking about setting examples for players and creating value and all, that, all those good, you know, talks we have, he has. You know what I mean? Live it. Amazing. We'll go Travis and then Brent. When you, when you talk about uniform legislation. Setting the hell of an example. 
when you, when you talk about uniform legislation, would you like to see that the schools be able to have a little bit more ability to? I, I, listen, I'm not, I, I don't know that. I don't know what's right. I just, it just needs to be uniform across the board. And it's hard because the government's going to have to get involved with it. I'm not into that. I just know that what we did was nothing wrong, was not done the wrong way, nothing was promised, nothing was deal, and we didn't buy every, we didn't buy any players. You've been in this business a long time. A seen, long time. And seen it's, a it's, lot it's, of things. It's disgusting to what we're into right now, right. especially by the people who are throwing the darts, who have no glass in their house. My question was, is this the most upset, disappointed, angry you've been about something in your coaching career? It's despicable for what it does for the sport. And the operations, the way things were done the other way, when the parity was there, like we said, never has been parity. Certain people never followed the rules anyway. No, I didn't say that. It's a mere statement. All right, Coach. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Uh, I feel like Jimbo had a kind of a hard time expressing himself and what he felt uh, about those comments. Well, what'd you get from that? You know, I feel like he was like the my least favorite person to argue with is all of his tactics because he starts off with how dare he did this? How dare you? Right. And it's like, OK, well, was it right or wrong? How dare you? You know, and then he, he like moves into there. He's I'm not I'm just I'm just defending the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And like I'm and, you know, I'm, I've I got nothing to hide. Go ahead. Come at me. I got nothing. You know, like all these like vague statements and and everyone's like, I mean, but like our like what? Let's talk about that. I don't know. I don't know about that. I just, it's just I got nothing. Like this is despicable, right? And it's just like, anyways. Like I don't want to get in an argument with Jimbo because I would pull my hair out and lose my mind. He's just trying to drop nuclear bombs wherever he can. Yeah, and it you know like it it comes across as like I'm so mad that I can't even you know that I'm just but I think I mean I think he's probably I think I think he definitely was mad and frustrated, but also it's like. You, you didn't really say anything except for that I'm just I'm just mad. Yeah, I mean his big his big thing was like we didn't do anything wrong, and I, I think this goes back to the language that Saban used, where he said by players, and for a long time that's really the worst thing you could level against a coach because first of all it devalues their ability to sell their program, right? And saying that well you didn't do that by yourself you must have like cheated, right? right? So I think that it's obvious like that or why that would upset him. But at the same time, he's right in the fact that if that is not necessarily against any rules anymore, that they did anything wrong. I think it's just a perception thing. Right. So this is my question. is: Are they fighting over like them saying that they did something wrong, both of them, because Jimbo was firing back, right? Like, right. look into him. No one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Slap him across the head. Are they both like saying that each other is doing things that are not illegal? I think what because Jim- it seems like that these arguments are just kind of pointless, you know. Yeah, because it we're in just a completely different context now, and I think what Jimbo's point was that he found the irony, and this was someone who was in his perspective is that this is someone who was accusing him of wrongdoing, and he was saying, well, if you go back and dig through what Nick Saban has done, you'll see that he has no standing to make this argument. Right, which honestly, any top. 25 program right is going to have something like this right and and i think the assumption of that oh everyone followed the rules for no i mean that's just not 
and that's just not true at all. These and collect. Let's just say these collectives they formed very quickly. Like they maybe, were ready to go. Like maybe they were already there. Like maybe they were there already. My favorite part of there were so many favorite parts of what Jimbo said. My favorite part was like he's like, oh, I don't know anything about a collective, and then later, oh, we didn't buy any players. Well, my friend, if you don't know anything about the collective, how do you know that they didn't do anything? to try to entice players to come to Texas A&M. Well, we don't, we don't know anything about that because he's despicable. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, you can't you say You just got to keep to the party line. Right, right. Uh, so My favorite part was maybe we should slap him. I think uh, we should <laughs> someone have. someone should slap him. I think him. every SEC coach needs to get a good slap in every now and again, <laughs> right? And I, I feel like Jimbo has opened up a nice, uh, a nice form of content for us to, to look into. You know, it's a tough thing because this whole thing is, you know, none of these NIL deals have to be public knowledge. So, like, as per the rules right now. So, when he's saying to go investigate and when even journalists now, based on, like, okay, let's go in and look at this just to see how they've built it, there is no, like, open records to be able to go and find like what all these deals are. There's just not a lot of transparency. Well, it sounds like they're, the money's coming from many different places. You know, right. when uh, Saban was going off about how all these players are getting all this money before they've even played, I mean, didn't we talk about their quarterback last year and how he had a million dollars before he threw a, a football in the exactly, field? Exactly, yeah. You know, but I think that, so that's where I think it gets a little, honestly, over my head of like, where's the money coming from? You know, and I think that's where I'm uh, guessing. And I think a lot of people are like, it's not so much where, but it's also when. You know, if yeah. you're getting paid just to step on campus. Well, is that's, that... what, that's what he did. Right. Well, no, Bryce Young had been there. He'd been there for a year. But he hadn't played. He I'm... hadn't played, I agree. Right? But if you know you're the, the starting quarterback at Alabama, I mean, you had to get there for a reason, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying this is going against what Saban was yeah, it's true. Dang. You're right. You're right. So uh, maybe as we kind of frame this this whole debate, uh, I think Saban's ideas and questions are extremely valid. And I think he screwed up by using the phrase by players. Right. And I think that if he doesn't go into Texas A&M, and another thing, Dion, he just basically called out Jackson State, which mm-hmm. we haven't really <laughs> – Jimbo sucked all the air out of the room with the response, but – you know, and he came back later and apologized and said, I shouldn't have used institutions' names. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if he hadn't gone into that, nobody ever hears about this talk, right? Because there are questions that need to be asked, but it's not something that becomes the center of all attention. Right. And so I don't know what you think, but I feel like Jimbo's response, in my view, it's completely ridiculous. Yes, it's completely absolutely How dare ridiculous. You? How dare he does it? Right, okay. and what? it's just a showman's. Oh, completely. Thing. I think he wants to keep his job. I think that not that this would make him lose his job, but I think that he is sitting really good right now. Yeah. At, you know. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if you're expecting me to be the next Nick Saban whenever he retires, right? Then I'm. I'm we're going toe to toe. I think I'm he not has. Of him. He has. Uh, first of all. He's a West Virginia boy. They both are. Yeah. And uh, but Saban or Jimbo wears that a lot differently than Saban, at least in public. Um, he has been a mild disappointment since he arrived. Right. They have been perpetually eight and four. 
the one exception was the COVID year. I think they went nine and two, won the Orange Bowl. But they've been perpetually eight and four. They've been perpetually outside of any contention for the SEC championship. Missouri has been to two SEC title games, and Texas A&M has been to zero since they came into the conference. They are running out of time before Texas and Oklahoma come and steal their kind of regional spotlight, Mm -hmm. which they've had to themselves in the SEC. I think there's a lot of pressure. He has the same, I think, the same record as Kevin Sumlin, who was the previous A&M coach, one of the Johnny Manziel years, who flamed out. Uh, not only at A&M, but also went to Arizona and bombed. Right. Um, there's a lot of pressure on him, and I think that he doesn't he he understands that, and he wants to portray the sense that if he's building something in A&M, he's doing it because he's a great coach, and he is. Uh, he doesn't want it to be because people think that he bought players, even though we're in a new context, which that's not necessarily the thing, but we're all trained to hear that and be like, oh, oh you're bad, right? Right, so. right, yeah, I, I agree. I just feel like it came across as like a 13-year-old boy who uh, got caught, <laughs> you know. Uh, like, caught what? I don't what know. What do 13-year-old boys get caught? Listen, I was never a 13-year-old boy, a 13-year-old so boy. <laughs> I was also scared of 13 year old boys when i was 13 i'm so. also scared of 13 year old boys <laughs> very terrifying but you know it just came off as uh, it, i don't, I don't want to say unintelligent but desperate or i don't know those are a lot of people have been taking jimbo's side on this and i think the official uh the official point from you me and the sec is that we are team nick saban that's true and you uh, know why because of terry Oh, of course. We we couldn't go against we Terry. We stand with Terry. What has she won? What has Piper won? I don't know. I fed her. I fed you. And I wanted to let you outside and you wouldn't go. I think she's just like, what are you doing? She's what like, are you doing? I want to hear about the SEC scheduling. Well, guess what? We're out of time. We don't have time to talk about SEC schedules. We'll do that later. But I do have, and I'm going to throw this at you. So you ready? Piper, calm it's down. Just ignore. Um, I have two two other SEC Fun fact about other I'm things. I'm up for a fun fact. A few moments nope, wrong later. one. I'm, I'm rusty. Um, that she just licked my what, toes. What are the other SEC coaches doing right now? Because we know what Jimbo and Nick Saban are doing, right? We know where they are. Kirby's probably on a yacht somewhere. I mean, I just invest. Kirby doesn't strike me as a yacht guy. <laughs> well, you know, in his strikes mind. Strikes me as a four-wheeler okay, sure. jet ski. Sure. But he, he could... He could be on a yacht. That's cool, I really too. don't think he's on a okay, yacht. Okay, okay. Anyway, more of your thoughts, your Okay, so um, have you seen uh, the Full House trailer at South Carolina? No. Okay, so they, you know how, like, sometimes they put out these little videos, like football teams? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they put out one with Shane Beamer, and it's the Full House trailer. Like, the okay. Full not trailer, bumper, like, intro video. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has South Carolina but players. But it has South Carolina players, and like Shane Beamer is like the dad, which he does look kind of like a 90s sitcom dad. So, is he Bob Saget? Yeah. Okay. So, like, anyways, we'll have to, you'll we'll have have to, to check see that it. out. You'll have to check it out. So, and we'll link it in the show notes. Oh, we will. Right. Do you want to do that? Because we always say we do that, and we never do it. The second thing is because down- you say that a lot, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I don't know what we'll I'm get somebody that. on that. We'll get one one day. We'll have an intern. Um, Step up, Piper. Yeah, really. Um, the other one is down in Auburn. Somebody else is getting in the podcasting world, and that is Brian Harson. Oh, listen! I have waited years. 
to hear about a Brian Harson podcast. I actually heard about this where he's going to be like interviewing like support staff at all. Right. It's awesome. You know what it's called? What? Huddle with Hars. Don't don't like that. Not a fan. <laughs> so <laughs> Strike he's starting. That. He's starting with the um, idea is great. Execution's poor already. <laughs> we'll see. I I might he give it a listen. He is the most boring human being. That's my concern. Is yeah. it's gonna be really it's like, boring? Like let me talk to Sheila from the cafeteria. Which I love Sheila. She does great things. But I mean, how many times can you talk about square pizza before we get bored? I, I just don't know. Is there really a Sheila at your high school? I don't know, maybe. Oh, okay. I'm just talking about Auburn. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, like, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I thought you were saying that there's a woman named Sheila that you talk to that's really boring but just talks to you about square pizza. I really need to go to bed because yeah, I think it's time. I'm, <laughs> one day our children will sleep and we'll do these at a reasonable hour for me. Um, but anyways, y'all check those out. We'll link them in the show notes. You will link them in the show notes. Or you can Google it. If they're not linked in the show notes, you know why. Brittany dropped every ball imaginable. And next time, <laughs> excuse me, next time we're going to come back and Ben is going to help me understand whether we should have nine games or eight games. And I don't even know. So looking forward to that. Sorry, I keep hitting the boards. Yeah, way to go. All right, let's end it. I'm Ben. I'm Brittany. And this has been you, me, and the SEC. Bye.